0: today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farrak.
1: You know what they call a place that is sunshine all the time, no storms, where everything is just sunny and warm? They call it a desert, a barren desert. It's the storms in life that accomplish that which God can accomplish in no other way. So maybe that trial is to protect you from a greater trial.
0: You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching a special series related to the global coronavirus pandemic. When we go through trials in life, we don't always thank God for them. Pastor J.D. is here today to talk about how suffering in life is a requirement for our growth. If life were sunshine and rainbows all the time, not only would we not learn, but you also wouldn't ache for God's return. Your pain is necessary to see the good. Now be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. Now, here's Pastor J.D. in Matthew chapter 14 as he continues his message. Why is God allowing all this?
1: Matthew's gospel chapter 14. I want to read verses 22 through 32 where we have the account. And I want to draw your attention to a couple of details that are going to be very germane to our understanding of what's happening here. In verse 22, we're told immediately, put that word in your hip pocket. We're going to come back to that immediately Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. Again, another detail. I want to come back to that. Verse 23, and when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray, as he would often do. Now when evening came, He was alone there, but the boat was now in the middle of the sea, tossed by the waves, for the wind was contrary. And this was not unusual, by the way, there in the Sea of Galilee. A storm can just come out of nowhere and hit suddenly. Verse 26, And when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were troubled, saying, It is a ghost. And they cried out for fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them, saying, Be of good cheer. It is I. Do not be afraid. And Peter, I love Peter so much. You want to talk about a guy that gets such bad (laughs) press. And Peter answered him and said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. So? he said, come. And when Peter had come down out of the boat, he walked on the water to go to Jesus. But when he saw that the wind was boisterous, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, saying, Lord, save me. I love that because this is a three-word prayer, and Jesus answers this three-word prayer, which brings me great comfort and great encouragement, because it's not the length of the prayer, it's the strength of the prayer. He cries out this three-word prayer, Lord, save me, and immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and caught him and said to him, and please never imagine that when Jesus says this, to him, that is with a scornful tone. I think it's a very loving tone where he says, oh you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. Now doubtless you've heard this particular passage taught in many ways, and as have I, but I want to look at this in a different way and point out by way of a question why it is that there was such urgency on the part of Jesus to get them into the boat and to the other side. And by the way, spoiler alert, good news, (laughs) they did make it to the other side. Oh yeah, they hit the storm in the middle of the Sea of Galilee, yet they were right smack in the middle of God's will. I I mention that because sometimes I think we do err greatly when we interpret the adversity and the hardship and the trials and the suffering in our life as being out of God's will for our lives and nothing could be further from the truth. You can be right smack in the middle of the trial, the storm of your life, and still be right smack in the middle of God's will for your life. God sometimes will send you knowingly into the storm, because He has something that He wants to accomplish by doing so. So let's get back to our question of, why the urgency? I never see in the Gospels the Savior being running late or being urgent. In fact, if anything, it's like he takes his own sweet time. I never see him in a rush. I don't really see him with urgency, except here. Why? That's the question. Why would Jesus immediately get them in the boat, knowing that they would face this perilous life and death storm. I believe, as one suggested, and as I heard it taught, and I'm I'm telling you, it was a game changer for me. Here's a thought. It was because he wanted to spare them from what could have very well been an even more perilous storm that they would not have survived. What do you mean, a... more perilous storm. Well, now keep in mind, this took place immediately, I'm going to use that word, after the feeding of the multitudes. Now, just picture this with me as one of the disciples. There you are, they only counted the men with women and children. Some Bible teachers suggest that there were probably about 20,000 people there and Jesus is teaching, and then now they're getting hungry. And you know the story about the miraculous feeding of the multitude. Can you imagine being the disciples? You've got the fish, the loaves, Jesus prays and blesses it, breaks it, and then it's miraculously multiplied. And so they're taking it around, the disciples are now, and every time somebody there in the multitudes that were present there would put their hand into the basket, there was more. That's a miracle. Could you imagine being one of the disciples and experiencing that? And now all of a sudden, Jesus wants to leave. I don't want to leave. This is great. I want to stay here. I mean, we could start a megachurch right here and have 20,000 people after this miracle. So why do you want to go to the other side of the sea? Oh, because if you stay here, you are in danger of a more perilous storm, the storm of pride. And last time I checked, pride still precedes the fall and a haughty spirit, destruction. And I believe that the urgency on the part of the Savior to get them in that boat and to the other side was to protect them from pride. I know in my own life there have been times where I've gone through some very difficult trials. And on the other side of that trial, in retrospect, I have thanked God for it. I would never want to have to go through it again. But I thank God, because had He not had me go through that, I don't know what would have happened in my own life, in my own heart. You know what they call a place that is sunshine all the time, no storms, where everything is just sunny and warm? They call it a desert, a barren desert. It's the storms in life that accomplish that which God can accomplish in no other way. So maybe that trial is to protect you from a greater trial. I know that some of you are really struggling right now, and rightfully so. And it may very well be, you may not see it right now, but it may very well be that God is allowing this because He's protecting us from something even more perilous than the storm that we are currently in. This brings us to our third purpose in suffering. And it sort of ties into this because it brings about a much needed humble dependence upon the Lord it's my belief, and it's been my own experience, that life's storms bring about humility before God and a dependency upon God, replete throughout Scripture. We see examples of this with men and women that God used in mighty and powerful ways, one of which is the Apostle Paul, who to me is one of the best examples of how all that he suffered, all that he went through, and he suffered greatly, it produced within him this humility, <laughs> this humble dependence upon the Lord. Second Corinthians chapter 12 verses 6 through 10, a passage I know familiar to many, but he says in verse 6 as he writes to the Corinthian church, even if I should choose to boast, I would not be a fool, because I would be speaking the truth. But I refrain, and here's why. (laughs) So no one will think more of me than is warranted by what I do or say, or because of these surpassingly great revelations. What is he talking about? Oh, very interesting. He's talking about what happened to him 14 years prior. In fact, he never even brings it up, doesn't talk about it for 14 years. And then when he finally does, he talks about it in the third person. He says, I know a man who was caught up into heaven, who God took up to heaven to show him the glory that awaits. You know who he's talking about? Himself. Well, I'll tell you, that can make a person pretty heady. That can, uh, I know for me, I'll speak for myself, that can lead to a little bit of spiritual pride. God chose me and took me to heaven to show me the glory that Awaits these great revelations that he goes on to say are unspeakable. You can't even be, it would be criminal to try to describe what God showed me. Me. Therefore, here's what came packers with these surpassingly great revelations in order to keep me from becoming conceited. I think Paul was keenly aware of his own propensity for pride. He says, in order to keep me from being conceited, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Three times I pleaded with the Lord. I begged God to take it away from me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. That's what the Lord's answer was. He's crying out to God, pleading with the Lord to take this thorn. And, oh, by the way, much in the way of speculation as to what was the thorn in the flesh. You know, God, again, in His sovereignty, in His infinite wisdom did not let us know what that thorn was for good reason. Because if we were told specifically what it was, and whatever it was was not something that we struggle with, then we're going to dismiss it. By not being specific, no specificity as to what the thorn was, It sort of keeps it open-ended so that we in our own lives can fill in the blank with whatever that thorn is in our lives. That God has again in His infinite wisdom deemed fit to leave, to keep you, to keep me humbly dependent upon Him, looking to Him. His grace is sufficient. And here's the thing, his power is made perfect in weakness. And Paul says, therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my weakness, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weakness, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. That's verse 10, by the way. I I point that out because I don't know that I have a verse 10 in my life. I don't know that I can stand here before you honestly and openly and say that I delight in weakness. No, I, I fight. Everything in me fights against weakness. I want to be strong in my own strength. How about insults? He he says, I delight in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. And he explains why he delights in all of those. He says, for when I am weak, then I am strong. I would venture to say that the Apostle Paul came to the place where he was thankful to God for not answering his prayer to remove this thorn, because that thorn was a daily constant reminder of his need, his dependence upon the grace of God, the all-sufficient grace of God. You know oftentimes you've heard that expression, we're our own worst enemy, in our own strength We accomplish something. We experience a measure of success. And then, especially pastors, and I speak from experience as a pastor, we start thinking that it has to do with us. There's something about us in and of ourselves. And that's why we have been blessed or our ministries have experienced a blessing in that way. And I'll tell you, (laughs) God is so faithful. He's gentle too. He brings us back down to earth, so to speak, with that constant reminder, as Jesus said, apart from me you can do nothing. You can do nothing. So whatever this thorn was, and by the way this, it had to be so intense because he describes it as this satanic messenger that constantly tortured him, tormented him. He was tormented all the time. And it created within him, and I will even say that it was part and parcel to how God was able to use him. In other words, had it not been for that thorn, it is doubtful that God could have used Paul in such a mighty way as he had. I think of Charles Spurgeon. He suffered greatly, physically, with severe gout, and even mentally, with mental illness and severe depression. So much so, his son ascribed, listen to this, this is very interesting, his son ascribed his great suffering to his great preaching. In other words, had it not been for that thorn, (laughs) there would not be the great apostle Paul. Had it not been for the great suffering, there would not be the great preaching. He was quoted as saying, his son, there was no one who could preach like my father in inexhaustible variety. Witty wisdom. It is said of Spurgeon that he had a great sense of humor. In fact, he was very, a lot of humor in his preaching. The story is told that, uh, after one of his sermons, a lady approached him and, and took him to task about just, you know, his humor. And he responded to her by, telling her, oh, my dear sister, if you only knew how much I hold back when it comes to humor. But he had this witty wisdom. His son goes on, vigorous proclamation, loving, entreaty, and lucid teaching with a multitude of other qualities. He must, at least in my opinion, ever be regarded as the prince of preachers. Again, I have in my library a a writing uh, from Charles Spurgeon, really directed more towards those in the ministry that is, let's put it this way, I have to read it, (laughs) Um, at least once a month, sometimes more. It is written by a man who has tasted from this cup and knows all too well what it's like to have a thorn be tormented, to suffer greatly, but he's also a man like the Apostle Paul before him who embraced it and understood it, that without it God would not have permission, I hate to say it that way but for lack of a better way of saying it, God would not have permission to use him were it not for this suffering. Here's a quote from Spurgeon concerning his own severe depression. It said that he would be in such a state of physical illness and mental depression that he would be absent from his pulpit for three months at a time. It would get so dark and so deep. Here's uh, the quote Fits of depression come over the most of us cheerful as we may be, we must at intervals be cast down. The strong are not always vigorous, the wise not always ready, the brave not always courageous, and the joyous not always happy. There may be here and there men of iron, to whom wear and tear work no perceptible detriment, but surely (laughs) The rust frets even these, and as for ordinary men, the Lord knows, and makes them to know that they are but dust.
0: Thanks for joining Pastor J.D. today on In Spirit and Truth. We know that this time in our nation is uncertain, but one thing remains steadfast. God is in control. We encourage you to spend time during this season in the Word, in prayer, and in the presence of God. As with many churches across our nation, Calvary Chapel Kaneohe is holding services online only. We would still love to worship with you virtually, so please join Pastor JD at inspiritandtruthradio.com. You can subscribe to our YouTube channel as well to be notified when each week's service is made available. Pastor J.D. will continue to share his Mideast east prophecy updates as well. In these, Pastor J.D. takes a critical look at the news and events happening around the globe and compares them with prophecies found in the Bible, sharing God's views on what's taking place. You'll find these on YouTube or on our website. Again, that's in inspiritandtruthradio.com. We also know how essential prayer is during this time, and we want you to know we're constantly lifting our listeners up to the Lord. Is there anything specific we can be praying for you about? If so, send an email to us at office at calvarychapelcanyohe dot com. That's office at calvarychapelcanyohe dot com. Would you do the same for us, please? Keep Pastor J D. and our church staff in your prayers. Asking the Lord to guide us as we navigate this new and unexpected time in history. And of course, please keep our nation and our leaders in your prayers too, as well as all those affected by this virus. Thank you for praying, and thanks for tuning in to In Spirit and Truth.
1: La, la, la.